We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Prize Bank. Up next, the latest on the Missouri Tigers from KCSN, which features multiple shows each week with Border War with former Missouri forward Jarrett Sutton and former Jayhawks guard Jeff Hawkins. And Mizzou, that's who, with insider Gabe Diarma, Maggie Johnson, and Tucker Franklin. The latest news, the top stories, and an insider perspective to keep you in the know. Make sure to follow us on your new home for Missouri Tigers podcast, KCSN. And now, the latest on Mizzou Athletics. Hello and welcome into Mizzou. That's who your podcast for Missouri Athletics here on KC Sports Network. I am one of your wonderful co-hosts, Tucker Franklin. Joined as always by Gabe Yarman and Maggie Johnson. we got a pair of uh, Mizzou Hoops games to talk about. Uh, Missouri football has been suspiciously quiet. Um, so we don't really have a whole lot to talk about there, but we're going to be talking hoops on this episode, looking back, looking forward, and then looking real forward. Uh, Gabe, uh, how was your week with the with not only Missouri splitting a pair of basketball games, but she's won the Super Bowl since last time we recorded a podcast. Yeah, the week started off very well. Um, yeah. Saturday night was was a nice distraction, and it went well, and, and Sunday was obviously good. Uh, we usually do this on, like, Monday or Tuesday, but you had some other obligations so i made the the genius suggestion what if we just wait till after the auburn game well, we could have just recorded before the Auburn game. like we don't we could just pretend that didn't even exist for the purposes of this right and they had to play on valentine's day as well so that also made uh watching not not the easiest thing in the world uh college basketball should just recognize that that, that day is going to be hard for viewership and just kind of shift it a little bit but no no they just not just come back in about three, four years, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, Valentine's Day. Yeah, that's not a thing we pay attention to anymore. Probably fair. Maggie, how are you doing? How was your week? Good. Um, Good. Also, watch the Super Bowl. I won squares. If you took what I told you last week and you bet a Travis Kelsey touchdown, you won. Um, I will take credit now for it if you did that. But, no, it was great. We also saw a Nick Bolton scoop and score. Yeah. Almost two. Almost two. Okay, here's a question. Does Nick Bolton win MVP if he has another scoop and score? Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yep. But here's the interesting thing. There's only been one person to have two defensive touchdowns in the Super Bowl, and he did not win the MVP. Hmm. So we're saying yes, but maybe not. It was a uh it was Dwight Smith for the Buccaneers, but Dexter Jackson won the MVP because he had two interceptions as well. I looked it up. Oh. 
Hmm. Well, then that's kind of a toss up. I think Bolton would have won it if if the second touchdown had counted and they actually won. Well, he also led all all defense and tackles as well. So, like it was, in my opinion, it's not close. It was the best game he's ever played in the pros, right? Yes. And got the nice little MIZ shout out at the rally. Yep. I was there at the rally, gave a MIZ, I gave him a, a nice hearty Z O U back. Uh it was honestly it was one of the very few things that said that was said on the stage that I could actually understand. <laughs> yeah, he he also did not want to do that. You could tell that he did not want the mic and he did not want to go out in front of all those people and want to talk. But like I remember when Mitch Holtis was announcing, like, who's going to talk after Patrick Mahomes. He's like, here's the the leader of the defense. And I was like, all right, it's going to be Chris Jones. Chris Jones right. loves the like, He loves that attention. And then he's like, Nick Bolton. I was like, hang on a second. Like, Nick Bolton's not the most uh, outspoken guy. He keeps to himself a lot. And he is, yeah, they were, were saying, like, he's shy. We got to get him up here. Like, yeah, no, he is shy. Why do we make him do this? My favorite part of the week was Nick Bolton on Good Morning America when he seriously might as well have just said, look, I have not been to sleep. Yeah. I am exhausted. Look, what he did with that night, I have no idea. But he in sleep was clearly not involved. See, that's the thing is they, they'll do that. They'll do their celebration. Yep. By the time they get back to the hotel, it's already late. But then they have something planned for them at they the hotel. Party. They have a party at the hotel for them. Like the chain smokers and someone else was there. They're like, all right, <laughs> let's go party now. Then like, okay, now you got to get on a plane. Uh, in Patrick Mahomes' case, Patrick Mahomes had to get on a plane to go to Disneyland, and he was saying that like I literally have not slept um, since since we won the game. So I think that that's that's a common theme with a lot of these celebrations. At least Nick was less visibly intoxicated on the Today Show than uh, than Stetson Bennett on Good Morning America a couple years ago. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was bad. I remember that. Um, yeah, but no celebrations all around. There, as you mentioned, Gabe, Saturday was a good distraction. The Missouri versus Tennessee, going into that game, I don't know expectation wise for myself personally. I just wanted it to be a competitive game. Uh, Missouri came out hot. They started hot, then they kind of let uh, Tennessee get back into it. Uh, Tennessee, man, those guys have had coming off a couple losses of buzzer buzzer beaters, but uh, you know. <laughs> Dre Olson has the green light from anywhere on the floor. Hits that buzzer beater uh, to send it into uh, to, to end. It. Doesn't send it over time. He ends it with that buzzer beater right there. Uh, let's start from the top of that game, though. Uh, Maggie, I'm curious. Did you expect Missouri to start off that hot against this Tennessee team? No, I think we even had a podcast, and I basically wrote off the game, and I was like, let's just fo- <laughs> let's just focus on you know uh, the other game that we had. I I didn't expect it at all. We don't typically play that well on the road. Uh, road records in the SEC are terrible. So I wasn't expecting it. You knew that Rocky Top was going to be next level. And it was until that. Even when we were leading that game, I think we were up 17 at one point. Uh, the wind wasn't out of their sails yet. So it really took you know a lot. They came back. It was wild. And then after that shot, I mean, you could hear a pin drop. I've watched every angle of that shot that you could possibly see. And one of the most fun parts about it is watching the crowd, to be honest with you. Just like regular season basketball. Has any team ever had a worse week than Tennessee had that week? Oh, gosh. Because they, 
they had two games that they led by two at the free throw line with under five seconds to go. And they lost both in regulation. Like, I understand, like, you know, I, I posed that question to somebody and they said, well, Tyus Edney alone is worse. Well, I'm like, yeah, but that's the NCAA tournament. Like, and, mm-hmm. you know, sure, the when Ole Miss lost to Bryce Drew, sure, that's what, but just regular season basketball, I'm curious if that's ever happened to a team back to back buzzer beater. It's one thing to do it on the road too. It's one thing to do it, you know. You you lose to Vandy. Vandy gets a good shot off. I mean, they they just make a corner three. It's a great shot. It's at in Nashville, but this one this one had to have hurt way more than that one in in my personal opinion. I think I think so too because when you talk about it, Missouri was up by I think what. 17 at, at one point and they went then Tennessee went on a 24 to 5 run um like that's that run right there like that's a legit run like you are I, I mean that's that's impressive uh to then grab a five point advantage after that they went on that run they got a five point lead and uh <laughs> then to have the game come to free throws at the free throw line not getting hit and then a uh, half court not really half court it was like you know, just inside Whoa. that court. Yeah, I think it was the second S in Tennessee is what I saw. Uh, someone took a screenshot. Gabe, you might have tweeted that out. I can't remember. It's all a blur. Uh, but uh, regardless, it was a, it was a deep shot. And when he let it go, I don't know about you guys. I was like, oh, he's going to make this. Like, he, he let it go. And I was like, oh, no, he's going to make it. It was a legitimate shot. I mean, it yeah. wasn't completely a desperation heap. But, like, also you skipped over that. Tennessee had a freaking lane violation. <laughs> One of them was <laughs> like that. And without that, like, because the free throw missed. Mm-hmm. So if there's no lane violation and he just misses the free throw, Missouri, well, first of all, probably doesn't get the rebound because they never get rebounds. Probably Tennessee gets the rebound. <laughs> right. But let's live in this alternate reality where Missouri gets the rebound. You've got 4.2 seconds left, no timeouts, and you are standing in the lane 89 feet from the other basket. Like, you're not even getting to half court. Somebody's taking that shot from 15 or 20 feet further back. So the most amazing part of that was the, well, the lane violation closely followed by the fact that the guys doing the game clearly had no idea it was a lane violation because they were trying to call Tennessee for an offensive foul somehow (laughs) on that free throw. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was really weird. Um, and also, we look at it as, I think Vescovi, he's the one that was shooting. I think he's mm-hmm. one of their best free throw shooters. I think. 78%. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had been he had been playing great. I, I wrote down somewhere where his, um, what he shot. Because he made the two right before that. Right. And then right. they fouled Sean East, which I thought Rick Barnes handled that well. And East goes to the line and he misses one. And you're like, oh, well, it, it was good. At- we weren't supposed to win this game anyway. Right. Yeah. Well, and I was thinking at that moment, too. Yeah. I mean, you. I do think that, you know, as you mentioned, Rick Barnes did you up three late, you foul. Like, that just seems like a common, like, it just seems like a no brainer call. And, like, it happened is like, all right, yeah, uh, makes sense. But, I know a lot of people on on the old Twitter were getting a little upset about uh, Missouri letting a team back into a basketball game um, and saying that they're already riding off the Tigers, saying that 
this team should just disband or something. I don't know. I'm probably being dramatic on what people were saying, but I don't. <laughs> no, I'm probably, I'm not. probably not very far no. off. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. I'm probably not that far off, but um, good showing of some resiliency coming off of a game that too. Uh, you know, looking at kind of their schedule. Granted, we have hindsight on our side now, right? They were going to Auburn next. We know that Missouri doesn't play that well on the road. That game is going to be tough for Missouri regardless. Um, but I think looking at it, it, this was a big win at the time to kind of get a little bit of momentum going into that uh, to that Auburn game. No question. I mean, I, I think, and Dennis Gates said it after the Auburn game, you know, like, hey, the goal is go one and one. And honestly, I didn't think it was a very realistic goal. Um, I mean, you just kind of thought those were probably going to be losses. But what we've learned about this team is the game is le- legitimately never over. And that can both be good and bad because, it, like, they get down 21 to Texas A&M and get back within four, right? I mean, they're capable of making that run, but also they've been up on a, a – they were up 11 on Florida and law. They were up 17 on Arkansas and law. They were up 17 on Tennessee and then were down six. <laughs> I, I mean, it. they're the streakiest team in college basketball, and I guess it's just because – they don't seem to ever just kind of, you know, make one out of every three, three. It's either eight out of 10 or one out of 17. And there's really no in between. It, it is bizarre. We shot 50, they're almost 54% from three in that game. Again, that, by the that, way, like that's asinine. That's wild. Yeah. Against the number one defense in the country. The, so Tennessee's last three home games, they gave up 43 to Auburn. They gave up 86 to Missouri, and then they gave up 59 to Alabama. Wow. I don't know, man. Which is which again is why, and I know we'll talk of NCAA tournament, but like mm-hmm. nobody wants to see Missouri because they're capable of that 86 in Tennessee. But also everybody is capable of beating Missouri because they're capable of what they did at Auburn, too. Yeah, There's the, you literally get to see the peak and the valley of this team in the span of two games uh, when just looking at just how these two games shook out. Um, I was encouraged uh, by what I saw from Tennessee. Had some probably maybe some unrealistic high hopes for the Auburn game. I was like, oh, they'll go in there. They'll, they'll get a win. They'll just be the number six team in the country. But this just shows you again uh, how volatile college basketball is. Uh, just this whole, I think this year in general, just like it seems like whoever's number one is going to lose within the next couple weeks. Um, it's just an incredibly volatile uh, time with with the with the blue bloods with everyone in the AP poll, and we could talk about the AP poll we want, but I think we all can agree that it doesn't seem like it matters all that much um, to uh, to uh, a lot of people. Um, anymore, well, I should say. Lot, it, it mattered to a lot of people about noon on Monday when Missouri wasn't ranked, but had they been ranked, they would no longer be ranked. That's fair. And I will say, I do think uh, the AP poll does have some some power in determining seating. Uh, but other than I that... I to- totally disagree. You don't I think, think so. it matters at all. You, don't, you think the committee did completely disregard the, uh, yes. the seating? Interesting. I do not think the AP top 25 or the coaches top 25 matters in any way in college basketball. I think it matters a little bit in college football, but not in basketball. Do you think it's all the net? I, I mean, I, I think 
I, I don't think it's all anything. I, I think they have basketball people who are intel. And, and look, we're going to come out of Celestian Sun. This is why I laugh at, you know, there's no number of teams you can include in a playoff that, that is okay when the way to get in that playoff is so solely subjective. I mean, like, mm-hmm. the NFL playoffs, you either make it or you don't, right? There's no – it's pretty easy to figure out who should – who's going to get in, but that's not the case in college sports. So, you know, all these people that are currently arguing for number five to be in, in the college football playoff, well, they're going to argue for number 13 in two years because the the first two hours after selection Sunday are going to be spent arguing about the number 69 team in the country who got left out or the, the 10 seed that should have been a nine seed, you know? Um, but, but for the most part, um, I think it's pretty rare that we, you know, there there might be a team seated a couple spots higher or a couple spots lower than we think, but very rarely, like, should a team be a six and you look up and they're they're eleven, you know. So I, I I think overall they they pretty well. I mean, I think the Nets a part of it. I also think we we've, we've gotten way too reliant. Like our analysis of basketball now is well, here's what Ken Pop says. Well, okay, yeah. but computers don't play. Right. And right. In, it's like every other sport. It, it, it's been, and I think we're starting to see it now, like analytics took over and everybody has said, Hey, this is a whole new way to look at it. Now everybody's starting to go, well, yeah, but you still have to like, the other part matters too. It's not mm-hmm. just all, you can't just line up these computer pieces and, and decide what's happening. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas city. KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Do you think that that goes to the fact that there? I feel like there's a lot more in college basketball, a lot more different ratings and things that you can can gather from these teams. Like you mentioned, the net ratings they got, uh, you know, the Kim Palm. There's a lot of different factors that factor into how how you can rate or rank or seed a team. Do you think that plays into it? Why maybe the AP pool is kind of gone to the gone to the wayside, if I could say that. Yeah, and I also think the AP poll is largely voted on by like people probably even older than me, you know, who have been do- like the AP poll, like that was a big deal when I was growing up watching college basketball. Honestly, it was a top twenty for a while, and then it went to twenty five at some point when I 
was growing up, but like that was a huge deal. That's what you waited for every week. And now I forget when it comes out a lot because like the Nets updated every day. Ken Palm is updated literally the second a game is. Yeah. You know, but also I the voters are a lot of people who probably kind of like me, like I get made fun of because I'm like, I don't I don't even understand some of these things. Like how how can you tell me that this team has a 71% chance to win the game. Like, based on what? I I, I mean, okay, I, I guess, but I, but I don't understand it. Don't I don't know. Like... A lot of the times you see, you'll see, like, a home and away game, or I think when we played, like, Mississippi State, at Mississippi State, it was like, Mizzou has a 15% chance to win. And I was like, based on, <laughs> right. on what? Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Really, everything in life's a 50-50 probability. That's why, you know. Either you win or you lose. You win or you lose. Either it rains or it doesn't. That's 50-50. Right. You know, every day there's a 50% chance of rain. Either it rains or it doesn't. Um, I could be a great weatherman. And maybe that was my calling. Um, but we don't, do you, do you guys have any general thoughts about the Auburn game? I don't want to dwell on that game all that much because, um, as I mentioned, I was, you know, Preparing for Valentine's Day, got the uh, first TV timeout notification from the score app on my phone and saw that it was already like an 11 point game. And I said, oh, no, uh, that's not going to be good. Yeah, I mean, my general thoughts are we talked about before the game started. The moment you saw I saw a Noah Carter layup completely missed and it was after another layup had completely missed. I knew it was going to be bad. But also, like, let's look back on the Tennessee game really quick. And we forced Tennessee to play some small ball a little bit. We forced them up and down the court. We were just outmatched against Auburn. Like we, you know what I mean? Like we just, the size played a big disadvantage for us. And if we get matched up against a team in the NCAA tournament that has a true center or, you know, somebody that Kobe has to take a lot of fouls. Now, um, I'm going to butcher his name, Mabar, Mabor. Mabor Majak. Yeah, Mabor Majak. Um, he adds some hype for us, not saying that he's going to provide any type of whatever, but he's the same way as Diara, where they give us a little bit of somebody else to come in and maybe take some of those spells away from Kobe. But if we truly match up with some a team that has a couple of guys that are up there in height, I mean, we're going to struggle. Well, and I don't think it's just that Auburn's bigs are tall. It's, I mean, they're athletic. Janai yeah, they're strong, yeah. I, I don't even remember the other guy, uh, his name offhand, but the backup was just as athletic. And so they could run the floor. They had their way with Missouri. And look, I expected it to be bad going in. Like I said, Missouri would have had a better chance to win the Auburn game had they lost at Tennessee and had Auburn beaten Alabama. Like it just set up. It, like because Missouri had won at Tennessee, they didn't have to win it. Right. And they knew that. And and I know fans go, well, the, the fans get so pissed off. They're like, well, you shouldn't have pride and play for the name on the front of the jersey. And you should go out there and give everything you have every single game. And yeah, that would be awesome if that's the way it worked. <laughs> but these kids came off that win in Tennessee and they felt real good about themselves. And they knew on some level, even if nobody actually said it, you've now done enough on this road trip. Like you have achieved what you went on the road to achieve. And they knew that. And Auburn, I mean, they said it on the broadcast probably 10 times. Bruce Pearl called this game a must-win game. for Auburn had to win that game. They were in danger of missing the tournament. They did. So there was no analysis needed to see that Auburn was going to beat Missouri. 
Right. That said, whew, I, I I mean, I texted people at 9-2, I texted people, I said they're going to get run out of the gym. Like, you could just tell. That was, if the first half at Tennessee was as good as Missouri can be, I think Auburn was as bad as they could. That, that's the worst mm-hmm. they've looked all season. Like, they looked less competitive in that game than they did against KU. Scored 18 points in the first half. They, it was night into two. I, I mean, literally, it, and I watched most of it. I'm not going to say I watched all of it because it got a little boring there for a little bit. But, like, if you told me pick out one thing Missouri did well, I couldn't do. Mm. I mean, you know, Dennis Gates kind of said, well, I thought we, you know, second half was a little better. Well, the second half was a little better because Auburn didn't have to try. Right. <laughs> I mean, Auburn was ahead by 27 points at halftime. They legit, I thought that the most positive thing to take out of that game, I don't know if you guys remember the game in Arkansas last year that Missouri lost 87-43. Uh, because they trailed that game, I, I think it was like 46-19 at halftime. And it was the only game I'd ever seen that legitimately Arkansas could have gone scoreless in the second half and they would have won the game. Like just taking a shot clock violation and let Missouri score, and they still would have won because they had more points in the first half than Missouri had. For, so that was not the case. Auburn had to score in the second half. So I yeah. thought that was a positive <laughs> that you could take out of out of Tuesday night. <laughs> Certainly a positive. Yeah, uh, f- uh, a forty-five to eighteen advantage at the half. Um, hard to overcome that one. Uh, no matter how good you play in the second half. Listen, Missouri uh, in the second half, thirty-eight to forty-four, nearly outscored the Tigers. Um, but, but, last but that like game. even not really trying, Auburn still scored yes. forty-four points and beat yes. them. By, like in all seriousness, if you can watch this team and you can tell me the defense isn't a problem, then mm-hmm. I, I don't understand. I, I mean, every team shoots better than it's it normally shoots. It, Auburn was a bad shooting team and they shot fifty percent from three. I mean. Missouri's defense is not good. If they don't take the ball away from you, you're mostly going to score. They're 48.5% from the field, as you mentioned, Gabe, 50% from three-point range. Uh, Missouri, on the other hand, 31.6% of its chances and 5 of 22 from beyond the three-point line. Um, Hand out rebounded badly. 48-26. And there there were a few of those that, like, it kind of didn't even look like guys. It, it, I mean, look, I don't want to question effort, really, but just everything was bad. Like it, there was nothing there. I, I, it almost makes me wonder if this is like some sort of strategy from Dennis Gates with, uh, with like the rebounding thing. If it's like, okay, if just we don't. can, right, just don't. That's and, a weird strategy, <laughs> right, right? Well, get get back on right, defense. Just get back on defense is what they're saying because like. We we're not the best defensive team, so why don't we just like get back and not worry about the offensive rebound? But the problem is on the other end. It's that's true. The problem is the defensive rebounding. I mean, like you can't have everybody leaking out for a fast break because nobody gets the rebound. Right. I don't know. We gave up sixteen offensive rebounds to Auburn, and they didn't miss that many shots. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. So they probably got almost all of their all of their rebounds. Yeah, uh, not great. It was, rough. Um, it was rough. So let's let's look ahead to the NCAA tournament because the Missouri Tigers only have what one, two, three, four, five regular five season games. games. 
five games against. And by the way, still a pretty decent shot to finish in the top four in the SEC. Like that's what that win over Tennessee did. Yeah, for sure. I was looking at just like the, the just the records, and like they have a very identical record to Tennessee, and I was kind of shocked by that. Uh, when I saw well, that. and then, yeah, Tennessee's win over over Alabama last night uh, obviously helped a little bit. Like Tennessee, because Tennessee lost that game, Tennessee and Missouri would have been tied in in the standings. But now Tennessee's ahead by by two games. But like, they're a game behind Auburn. They're a game behind Kentucky. They're tied with Florida, but Florida just lost Colin Castleton to a broken hand. Mm-hmm. You know, Arkansas is under five hundred. Like. They they've got a pretty decent opportunity to finish in the top four in this league because I haven't gone through everybody's schedule, but I've got to imagine Missouri has about the easiest schedule left in this league. Auburn has a tough. So I remember I was looking at this before the game because I was also saying it's not a must win for us. Um, Auburn goes to to Kentucky, they go to Alabama, and then they're home against Tennessee. So they have three of the tougher. I mean, I would say Auburn. <laughs> has a good chance of losing three games. I mean, they could maybe do yeah. one of those games. Yeah. But then I think Kentucky's the other team that jumped in front of us. And like I just said, they have to play Auburn. Yeah, um, Kentucky's got home against Tennessee at Florida, home against Auburn at Arkansas. You know, Yeah, I, I do think we have the most favorable schedule to end up in that third or fourth spot and get that double bye, which would be idyllic, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, the fewer, games, the fewer games we have to play, the better. Because because the thing is, a lot of a lot of times people look at it and go, "Well, I don't want the double buy because like then you can get an extra win against like LSU. That doesn't help you. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Playing that game can only hurt you because if you're supposed to win it, then okay, cool, you beat a garbage team. It, it does nothing for you. But what if you happen to lose it? Then it really does some damage. It yep. definitely looks better to be sitting at number four in the SEC than it does to be sitting at number seven or eight. And hey, if Missouri can get the double bye, it will mean they play on Friday at the SEC tournament for, I think, only the second time ever. I think they've only made the quarterfinals twice. Wow. Did not know that. Or, um, yeah. Looking at, as you mentioned, that schedule, they got three home games, two road games. The road trip, that. They haven't played Georgia this year, right? I don't think that Correct. they have. Okay, no, so, that's, Georgia, yeah. so that's the only team on the schedule that they haven't played before this uh, this season, I should say. And they're not very good. No, they're not. They should win, but it's a road game, so they're decent at home. They've beaten some good teams at home, but yeah. they're not a good team. LSU, LSU's awful. Yeah, they're not good. That should be. And they, I mean, they beat them already this year. They already beat Ole Miss this year. Ole Miss should be a win. You know, Mississippi State at home. Lord knows, I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be the one to predict a Mississippi State Missouri basketball game. Um, in the same with Texas. Same with Texas. I mean, Missouri's yeah. going to be favored in at least four out of five, and yeah, I would guess maybe all five. Yeah. Uh, we talked about uh, Gabe with you, especially at the beginning of the year. We talked about that kind of that twenty win mark. They are knocking on the door with uh, five left. They're at nineteen. They're nineteen and seven right now. Uh, you got to think Missouri's a lock for the tournament right now. I mean, it depends on how you say lock. If they go zero and five, no, they're not going to get it. Right? I mean, yeah. 
So they're not that. But if if you go three and two in these five, hundred percent you're in the tournament. Like no no dispute. You have to do nothing in Nashville. It doesn't even matter. You are in the tournament if you go three and two. You might be in if you go two and three, but at that point there would start to at least be a little bit of sweating and nervousness going on. Uh, if they win three more regular season games, I don't even care which three they are. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. The wild thing that we need to like remember as well is yes, Texas A&M. It's a to- it's like a weird it's a weird game. They're eleven and two in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Eleven and two. So saying here, I mean, like, yes, our schedule is favorable, but we're definitely not playing teams that are going to lie down. Right. Like Texas A and M also wants that double buy. I mean, they're likely going to get it. I think. I mean, they probably. Oh yeah. Die. But I mean, likely, I would say that they're going to get it. But that's a scary game to me. Like that's like an ultimate type of trap game that you have at home. But it's at home, which is right. I mean, that's big, you know. And and here's, I mean, here's a And M schedule. Going back to what we're talking about: at Missouri, home for Tennessee; at Mississippi State; at Ole Miss, home for Alabama. Like their only two home games are against top ten teams, mm. and everything else is a. I, I mean, at some point you have to play good teams, right? And right. Missouri's last five games are easier than anybody else's last five games. That doesn't mean they're going to win them all, but if you want to be what this team thinks it wants to be, then I think four and one is kind of the bare minimum that, that you're hoping for in this stretch. That will uh, kick off on Saturday. Tip off, I should say. should correct my vernacular. This will tip off on Saturday as Texas A&M comes to town. Uh, that, that game's on ESPN2 at 5 p.m. Set your DVRs. Uh, set your uh, whatever they do, whatever the kids do nowadays. Do do that. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about bracketology. The ESPN bracketology that I've been looking at here has not been updated since the uh, Auburn basketball game, but I think we can try to draw our own conclusions from this. We can put on our Joe Lenardi hats and say that Missouri has a 7 seed in Sacramento playing West Virginia as a 10 seed. Less likely to happen now. Uh, we're probably looking at an eight seed. Um, it kind of depends. I mean, bracket matrix, which is what I like to get, it it has a hundred different brackets. Now, this is a little bit confusing because, like, some of those maybe a guy did a bracket on like December nineteenth, and then he hasn't updated it, right? So who knows? But the average for Missouri there is seven point five. Like, they're a seven. They're the third number seven seed. Uh, just behind Duke, just ahead of Michigan State. Uh, and again, not all of those have been updated, uh, but Missouri's a seven, Auburn's an eight. Like, they're somewhere, be- they're somewhere between a seven and a ten, basically, for, I think, 90% of people. Jerry Palm, for some reason, loves them and had them as a four seat before the Auburn game. I did not know he had them all the way up to a four. I knew that he knew- Missouri needs Jerry Palm to be on this selection. <laughs> Holy cow. I knew that he loved the Tigers because when we were talking was last week, he had them at like a five or a six. Five or six, yeah. And I was like, that seems a little bit rich. Uh, but four after the Tennessee game? Buddy. Um, all right. <laughs> Looking at that. Also, also, Jerry Palm is actually Dennis Gates. So. 
<laughs> That's his alias. Um, I was talking, Gabe, I think this is an interesting conversation to have because I've seen some people talk about this, about a Missouri and Kansas potential rematch in a bracket, and we kind of had a conversation before the start of this. Uh, what do you think the likelihood of that happening is? I think it's low because I think they try to avoid rematches when they can. And the other thing you have to understand is you try to reward the top four teams in the bracket. I mean, those 16 teams have earned the whatever advantages you can give them in a neutral site turn. If you send Kansas to Des Moines, Iowa, which is where they're almost certainly going to go as a one or a two seed, and then you say, oh, by the way, theoretically, your second round game is against this team that their fans are only four and a half hours away, and they're all going to show up to watch you play. Right. Like, I, then what you were effectively doing is turning what should be an advantage for Kansas into, at best, you know, like a neutral court situation. And it's just not, and look, I understand everybody listening to this is going, well, good. You know, screw Kansas. Don't give them it. But like, that's what they've earned by being one of the top eight teams in the country this year. And they've earned that advantage that the selection committee is not made up of you and Maggie and the people listening to this podcast. It is made up of people who are actually going to try to objectively do their jobs. So are we saying that if Kansas, if it would be unfair and that Kansas would be upset, are we saying that Kansas would be scared to play us in Des Moines? No. Dodging. They're dodging. (laughs) I, I, are they winning dodging us in Des Moines? I, I'm going to guess that Kansas would probably say, um, but like, well, we played you guys on your home court. Right. And we're not real scared to do that again, but it won't happen. I don't think. What does it have been more likely Missouri could play Kansas State in the tournament, but even that you kind of run into some of the same deals maybe but but like if it, if it's like if Kansas State slips to a 4 and it that's somehow like a 4 or 5 game if Missouri finishes strong like that's okay you're not going out of your way to protect the 4 seed right right uh looking at i was looking at Jerry Palms uh bracketology cuz his is updated for the 16th which is the day that we are recording this podcast today yeah. Um, and he has Missouri at a seven seed, so maybe he's come a little back down to earth for the uh, on the old Tigers. Um, yeah, uh, he does have Kansas State as a four seed in this uh, in this bracket, same bracket, but uh, but also like we were talking about this earlier this week. I can't remember where, but this whole idea is because all these brackets are well. This is what it would look like if it was today. I mean, cool. <laughs> Every team in America has at least six games. So yeah, like what are we even doing here? It's almost like you shouldn't start it until like after the regular season is done. Like, but the beginning of conference tournament should be like the first brackets come out. I understand why everybody does it because it gets attention and we talk about hundred percent. Yeah, but like you should start it. I mean, like my favorite thing is that like a week after the national title game, Joe Lenardi has his bracketology for the next year. Yeah. And it's the dumbest thing ever. But we all read it and we all click on it. So good for him. So you should have them, but nobody should pay any attention to them because they, they they just don't matter, right? It's like, hey, college football playoff, I, I, or we'd see the the graphics after week three, NFL playoffs if they started today. <laughs> but there's 14 games left. Every time I see one of those brackets and it's like Mizzou versus like Creighton, I'm like, no, nope. like, I don't want to see anymore. 
it's like every single one I see, it's like a terrible matchup for Mizzou, and I'm like, I'm overlooking. <laughs> I'm like, can we not play? Yeah, we need to play like a. Th- can we be better so we can play like a 14 seed or something? Brother, I, say, I say that. I say left. that. <laughs> You're gonna need a team with like a nobody over six four. That'd be ideal. Right. right. Yeah, that would be ideal. Jerry Palm has the old Tigers faced off against FAU. Uh, fighting Wayne Kiffins at one point. Oh, that, that'd that be horrible. Because, like, that's a game that... And they're actually good this year, but... Like, what do you get out of being beating Florida Atlantic in the first round, right? Like, you're supposed to, and if you lose, everybody's like, oh my god, you lost to Florida. So that's another thing, though. Okay, so I was looking up... Going back to the AP poll, and I was looking up, um, like what just whatever i was trying to figure out why we weren't ranked and i was looking up like what people were ranking and things like that and a lot of people had um mizzou not ranked and it was based on strength of schedule fau and providence ranked in most bracket or most top 25s that i saw why do there's like strength of schedules and their non-conference seem to matter less than what ours does does that make sense um, I mean, I don't, my guess would be without looking at it is they have like really gaudy records. Uh, I, let's see, like Providence is, yeah, Providence is 19 and seven. I don't know. Well, I went through, but I went through their non-conference schedule. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Like they didn't play anything or anybody. And same with well, you. Uh, I mean, they got a, they got a big win over Merrimack. So, <laughs> yeah. I think they played like Ryder and which, which I think Ryder I had never heard of nope. before, but then I saw them on the as like a yeah. uh, they they beat uh oh. they beat Stonehill. I think there's a DeVry on here. <laughs> Grand Canyon. Batterat College gonna be on there. Right. University of Phoenix was there. Online school yeah. for the death. That's just always <laughs> kinda weird to me is it's like well, the reason, like a bunch of people, the reason is because of their non-conference schedule. I'm like, I can't imagine that that's the only here's, reason. Here's the thing, guys. You guys all put way more thought into the top 25 than the people voting for. It. Oh, yeah. That's I, I mean, I'm just going to tell because <laughs> because I'll tell you how those things are done because I know people I, like I don't ever vote in them because but I know a lot of people that do. The way it's generally done is for football, it's on Saturday night for basketball. I assume it's on Sunday night. Somebody gets on ESPN or Yahoo or whatever and goes, okay, well, here's the top 25 last week. Like, what did those teams do? Oh, 23 lost a game. Okay, so we should probably drop them out. So who's the others receiving votes? Oh, okay, this team went 2-0. So they should probably, I mean, that's all it is. Because when when your job is to cover these things, like I, I tell you guys all the time, you guys both see more college football than I do. Because if Missouri plays at home, I'm spending eight or nine hours at Faroe Field. I'm not watching other games. That's the only game I see. So if you're voting in the football top 25, you're coming home and, and just looking on the internet to see what these other teams did. You probably didn't see the game. So, it, like, I don't, you're, you're getting mad about a thing that just it, people don't put that much thought into. So what you're saying is we need to vote in the AP poll. That's <laughs> I mean, you would... Give me a vote. You would be more qualified, Um the obviously you would be more biased, which would then make you less qualified. Mm. But, but yeah, I mean the and the like the coaches top twenty fives are even dumber because <laughs> you really think the coaches voted? No, the coaches tell their SID is I got to do this stuff. Go do it. Like they don't vote themselves, right? They, they've got other stuff to do. They don't care. I think uh, 
handed out to grad assistants sometimes is what I've heard. Yeah. Um, they'll like, hey, grad assistant, go vote on this poll for me. Um, I mean, like, my dad let me do his Heisman Trophy vote when I was 13 years old. I voted for Andre Ware in the Heisman. I was asking you voted for. You know, so white. Yeah. It's not, it's not important. That's funny. Well, got a lot of important things in this world, but, um, <laughs> bracketology is one of them. I know I'm, ex- I'm, I have, I'm excited for the uh, the home stretch of this college basketball season. Uh, we're getting down to it. I I felt like I felt the natural urge to transition to a football topic, but we don't have football to talk about. Um, so for like the first time in forever, it feels like. But the spring game is like next week, so um, because it's incredibly <laughs> early, uh, <laughs> so we'll have that to talk about relatively soon. Um, but yeah, what is it, March like? 18th or 18th I think yeah which is isn't that On the, the first early. Week, that's the first weekend of it's the first uh, Saturday of the NCAA tournament <laughs> so like legitimately the spring game could be going on while Missouri is playing in the NCAA <laughs> Why? If, that, if that happens people are going to lose their minds because we already said we couldn't play a bowl game because we're a basketball <laughs> game if we have a spring game during the March Madness. Can't do the spring. I mean, like, are, I already know the answer to this question. But are there really people who would go to a spring football game over watching the NCAA tournament? Like, that I hope that was him. Well, I hope. And there are. Some people, some like, people it, are. Yeah, some people. We're talking about practice. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, what are we doing? I saw my friends. FB schedules is what I, I I watch this site. I follow it because they got all kinds of stuff on here. They have a compiled list of all the spring games that are happening. Is Missouri's the first one? No, Hawaii is doing it on March third. Well, that's fine because like <laughs> there's no there's no like seasons in Hawaii. You can right. play the spring game on December nineteenth. Bowling Green March fourth, which like that's not that's not spring. That's winter no. still. No, um, no. And then there. So you got some on March 6th, New Mexico's doing theirs, March 9th, Georgia State, March 11th, William and Mary, and then Missouri. Um, so they're in some pretty uh, esteemed company, we could say, when it comes to college football programs. So we're the only Power Five, the only Power Five school. <laughs> the That's next fine. Power Five school, the earliest Power Five school outside of Missouri, oh, it's Michigan on April 1st. That will be the uh, next earliest. That'll be a Big Ten note. There you go. So... What's going on here? I got I got my football point in. There we go. Um, so uh, very proud. Like to give a shout out to uh, Charlie Hustle for outfitting us with some uh, some great stuff. I see uh, Gabe's got the Zambezi Zinger. Maggie, you're wearing the Shakespeare's Pizza shirt. All great stuff. They've got a great line of uh, Chiefs merch out now uh, with some really great designs. If you are into that, if you're into the Chiefs, if you're not, don't buy it then. Uh, go buy the Missouri stuff. There. Um. <laughs> I'm wearing the uh, KC Sports Network. If you like KC Sports Network, you can buy this or buy the hoodie that is like a blue and red, um, a navy blue and a and a red. So uh, go check that stuff out at Charlie Hustle. Good stuff. Good people over there. They got a new league, Negro Leagues collection out as well. I got a new shirt. It's not in this room. It's in the other room. <laughs> uh, but I was gonna I was gonna show it on here. But it, they got a lot of good Negro League stuff as well. As baseball season is rearing up as well. 
I appreciate everybody uh, watching, listening to the end of this podcast, sticking all the way through the end. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back next week to talk about uh, some Missouri basketball and hopefully some good news on that end as well. So until then, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.